Morning, church. So good to see you guys. I'm going to say it's good to be with you guys this Sunday morning. I'm your brother in Christ, Santiago. Yeah, that's me. All right. It's like, yeah, usually they spell it wrong, but praise God, they got it right, you know. My whole life, they're like growing up in Chicago, right, because Santiago is usually a last name. It just means James. Right? So they would say, hey. And I would, I would go to the teacher and they would say, what's your name? I would say, Santiago. They go, no. What's your first name? I go, Santiago. No, that's your last name. I go, I know my name. You know? <laughs> Ever since, you know, I can remember third grade, my teacher telling me, you don't know your name. I was like, I know my name. At least that's what they're calling me at the house, you know? Very good. Um... I'm excited, and I praise God that I get to share something with you from God's Word. You're going to find out that I like to, um, I'll say it like this. I take what I do very seriously, especially sharing God's Word, but I don't take myself very seriously. So you could joke around with me <clears throat> a little bit, you know. Um, <clears throat> and sometimes I like to use humor a lot because it, you know, gets you comfortable with me. All right? So if I, if I make a joke, something, don't go, oh, my God, he's being sacrilegious. No, I'm not. I'm just trying to get you to warm up with me, okay? Do me a favor. <clears throat> if you got your Bible, open them up to, with me, right? We're in the book of Second Peter. We're in chapter 3 today. So our theme is, right, growing in God's grace. When you got your Bibles open and you're, you're ready, say amen. Okay, um, Okay, look, one thing about me. Ready? Uh, so I came from a place where it was called a participatory sport. You know, worship is a participatory thing, right? We praise God, right? Yes, right? We pray to him. Now we're going to hear the proclamation of the word, okay? For the goal of being transformed, right? Because nobody wants to stay the same. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So... You could talk back to me. It's okay. All right? You could, if you could feel God moving you, amen, that was good, preacher. Or like, oh, no. All right? So another word I'm going to teach you ready today. Everybody say, ouch. Okay, good. So one of my teachers at Moody said, a good sermon will inform your mind, fill your heart, tan your hide, Amen. That's where the ouch part comes out, right? And move your hands, all right? So that's my goal this morning, to do all four of those things, amen? amen? So you come back and talk to me. It's okay. I'm used to people shouting. In fact, I can't wait for Pastor Dell to get one of these, okay? This, okay? If you, you know, I had a lady, her name was Carmen one day, and Carmen was sitting like right there where this gentleman's at. And Carmen, after the sermon, walked up to me, and you know how the basketball players do, Del, right, guys? When, when somebody dunks real good and they come up to him, and that's like, that's my point, and they shove him, right? You ever see that? Like, like, they're like, yeah, that's how you do it, right? So literally, no joke, I preached the sermon. I think she's, you know, she must have liked it a lot, right? So she literally kind of up here, walked up to me, and she shoved me. Yeah. And she goes, that's how you preach. That's how you preach. And I went, okay. All right, don't ever do that again. Tell my wife on you, you know? Yeah. So 
it's okay to shove Pastor Dell one day, you know? That's how you preach, okay? All right? You got your Bibles open to Second Peter? Amen. All right, thank you. See? Very good. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, once again, we want to thank you and praise you, Lord, that we get to gather together here to worship you, to know who you are, to grow in your grace. God, help us to be more like you, to be image bearers, and all that we do and say is to reflect you, to grow strong, to be the church whom you died for, and God, to proclaim your truth with love and mercy, Lord, until the day you come back. So for that, all the people of God said, amen. amen. All right, we're in Second Peter chapter 3, you know. I am now 52 years old, right? I am. Yeah. All right, don't get that motivated, okay? Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and... I'm like, okay, I feel pretty good sometimes, but what I'm discovering, it literally happened to me yesterday again. Yesterday, I did a wedding, and I forgot <laughs> certain things to say, and I was sitting there like, oh my gosh, don't forget, don't forget, because I was reading it in English, but it was coming out of my mouth in Spanish, right? So I was translating in here, and I was like, oh, how do you say that word? And for like, no joke, like 20, 30 seconds, I paused, you know, and the couple's like, oh, is something wrong? Is he okay? And it's called getting old, okay? I don't know about you guys, but I'm forgetting a ton of things. Let's tell the truth and shame the devil. How many of you are forgetting with me? Okay, come on. Raise your hands high, ladies. It's okay. All right, thank you, guys. Right? We're forgetting all these things. I walk upstairs sometimes. I go into my bedroom. I go upstairs and I go... What did I come up here for? <laughs> See? Yeah, you do it too, right? That's why she's laughing. He's like, yeah, that was me this morning, right? Or I love, I love my wife, <clears throat> but if you don't understand this, preachers use their families like illustrations, you know, because there's so much good stuff there, you know? And I always tell my wife, like, she'll come up to me, she goes, Where, where's this, where's that? I go, Angie, your glasses are on your head. You know? And she's like, oh, I forgot. You know? We forget all these little things. Come on. Right? We forget. You forget. Come on. You've been working for years. Things that for me were second nature. Ooh. Now I'm going, how do you do that again? What do you do? And it's just, it's coming out. I forget names sometimes. Ladies and gentlemen, forgive me. Um, if I forget your name, I'm learning you guys. So please Introduce yourself to me over and over again. You're, uh, I'm just learning, you guys, so that would help me a lot. So I need to make re reminders. So, <clears throat> for example, if you walk up to me and you say, hey, my name is Tom, I'm thinking of Tom and Jerry, so that I could remember your name. Okay, he's like the cat, all right? If you come up to me and you're like, hey, hi, I'm Robin, I'm like, oh, Batman and Robin, okay. And I'm just creating word pictures in my head so I can remember you. Why? Because I forget. I forget things, okay? I know you guys have perfect memories, so this doesn't apply to you, all right? <laughs> yep. How about you? How about you guys? You guys ever forget things? There you go. Your keys, right? This or that, whatever it is, we're always forgetting stuff, right? Guys, we're infamous. I didn't know, I forgot. 
We go to the store. I, I do this. Hey, babe, I'm going to go to the store. Go to groceries. Text me the list. And she has to text me. And then I just go the list. I just go off the list. Why? Because if she goes, hey, give me this, this, and this, and this, I'll forget. I'll come back home with four things when I'm supposed to come back with eight. And she's like, oh, then I'm going back to the store to get the other things. So text me the list. We often forget what's going on. One of the worst things I've ever saw people do is they left one of their kids at the gas station. <laughs> Come on. I know you guys want to think about doing it on purpose, right? You're like, I forgot it. I'm sorry. No. Right? You go and you're doing a nice drive across the country. And where's Junior? And you're like 10 miles down the road. Hey, anybody see Junior? <gasps> we left him at the gas station. He's sitting there waiting. You forgot me. You forgot me. I did that to my nephew one day. Took him to school. Forgot he was even in the car. Came back. Joe put the car back in the, in the garage. He woke up. No joke, he woke up in complete blackness. <laughs> he, thought the, he thought the rapture happened. He was like, oh my God. He comes running out. And he's running, he's running out of the backyard. I hear somebody going, uncle, uncle. Kid is 20 years old today. He's still traumatized by that, you know? Right? We forget. Right? True or not true? We forget, right? This is why Peter wrote the book. First and second Peter is a reminder. Why? Because we forget. We focus on the wrong thing or do the wrong stuff. And what? The purpose of the book is to remind you to grow in God's grace because we forget. Okay? We forget. Ladies, we're always forgetting. Gentlemen, we forget on purpose and we tell our wives we forgot, you know? And the same Peter was writing these letters to remind the church that evil people and evil times are coming for the church. And the church needs to remember to grow in God's grace in order to make it through the bad times. That's the whole purpose of the book. That's what we're going to be looking at. Because the day of the Lord, and that's the portion of the text we're covering in chapter 3 today. The day of the Lord, okay, was written in the word of God, and it was told to us, okay, it was written for our reminder, okay, we ought to also look also, there's going to be wicked people around us yesterday, today, and even tomorrow that are coming and are already here, scoffing at who Christ is and what he's done. But God is patient, and he's waiting until he can get all of us. Amen? So let's look at it. Let's look at it. First thing I want to share with you, or our first point in the text today is number one, we're reminded that the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord was written in the word, okay? There's your first point, verse one and two, it says this. Now this is the second letter, right? That I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring you up in your sincere mind by the way of what? Reminder. Hey, don't forget. Here it is. It's here in the text. Look. Don't forget that you should remember the predictions of who? The holy prophets, the commandments of the Lord, and even through us, the apostles. So let's look at that. The holy prophets, the day of the Lord, is an expression used by the Old Testament prophets. Some people say as early as the 8th century with the book of Amos to signify a time in which God actively intervened in history primarily for judgment. Thus, the day of the Lord is also called the day of the Lord's anger. When we say the day of the Lord, it's not going to be a good day. 
But we're kind of all waiting for it. Like, God, <laughs> can you come yesterday? Right? How many of you have ever said that? Like, hey, I'm looking at my watch. Right? During COVID, people, I, there, was this man, there was this silly meme, and it was, <laughs> I said, man, this is so true, right? During COVID, this was the question I had every day by people in the workplace. Hey, what does this mean? Is Jesus coming? And I was like, I don't know. They're like, what book, what chapter of Revelation are we in? I go, I don't know. Just go outside and look. And people are like, yeah, I think we're in chapter two now. It is bad, right? The day of the Lord is coming. It's going to come. Why? Because it was already told to us in Scripture that it's coming. Sometimes the day of the Lord is used in Old Testament to speak of past judgment, like in Lamentations 2.22. More often it was an impending future judgment found in Joel chapter 2, 1 through 11. Ultimately, the term refers to a climactic future judgment of the world. The day of the Lord for us in Christ is going to be a great day. For everybody outside of Christ, it's going to be a bad day. Ladies, this is, this is your worst hair day, okay? On drugs, it's going to be bad, okay? It says this, it found in Joel, multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon are darkened and the stars withdraw their shining. It's going to happen. We were told by the prophet. Second, we were told by the Lord. The coming of the Son of Man. This is found in Mark chapter 13, verses 23 through 24 through 37. Let me read a little bit for this. Okay. But in those days, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling, falling from heaven and the powers in heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will come, and then he will send the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth and the ends of heaven. But no one knows the day or the hour. No one knows. Except this. But concerning the day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. How many of you, how many of you guys knew that? That even Christ doesn't know the day when he's coming. And this is very cool. Because in ancient times, when a husband would get, when a young man, remember when Joseph met Mary, he went into the house and he said, hey, can I, I love your daughter, I want to marry her. And they would perform a ceremony, they would be betrothed. Technically, they were married. And then he would go away. The son would go back to his father's house and the father would say, okay, start making a place. Either I'm going to give you that portion of land or create an extension to the house that we have. And he would go and he'd be pulling in the, you know, the jacuzzi tub, the Pella windows. I mean, he's making it look good for her, right? But only until the father is satisfied will he send back the son. The son just has to keep working. And this is the time of separation for the wife. This is why when Jerry found, when Joseph found Mary, it was during this time of separation. And it's like when she's like, I'm pregnant. I'm fat. Okay, I'm not pregnant. All right. Um, he's like, she's like, yes. And he goes, oh, it's the time of separation. And the type of separation was the time to be holy. She took out her contact list and she just started deleting numbers, deleting numbers, deleting numbers. Why? Because she was already betrothed to Joseph. He paid the price for her. That was his beloved. He was waiting for her to come back. She had to be found, be found spotless. 
This is our time of separation right now. Christ is coming back for his beloved, the church. Are you ready to meet him? Are you spotless? Or are you hanging out with other people on the contact list? Okay? This is why no one knows the day or the hour. When the father says it's ready, you could go get her. He's coming. Are you ready? That was, a sub, that was extra. Okay? I'm sorry. Sometimes my brain goes, oh, yeah, throw that one in there. You know? It's like that. And then he tells in verse 33, be on guard, keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves his home and puts his servants in charge. Each will do his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning. Lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. It's going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. That's not the point. The point is, are you ready? Are you vigilant? Are you staying awake? And finally, number three in verse two, he tells, hey, look at what the apostle said. Matthew says it in Mark 13. Mark says it in Mark 13. Luke 17 and 21. John and Revelation. Okay, Paul says it in 1 Thessalonians 5. Everybody was saying, it's going to happen. The scripture talks about it. Are you ready? Because it's, when it comes, it's going to be like this. How many know this verse? And we've all heard it. I'm going to start reading it to you because you know it. This is found in Isaiah 61. Remember Isaiah 61? The first day of Jesus' ministry. He walks into right, the synagogue and he opens here to Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. And I, when I was reached, preparing for you, I was like, oh, look at this. And I saw this, and I was like, ooh, but it's really good. The Spirit of the Lord came. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and in the opening of the prison doors who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that's when he stopped. Remember that? He stopped right there. And that was mid part. That was the first part of verse, uh, verse 2. Anybody ever read the, sec, the, the next part of it? Look at it. And the day of vengeance of God. <laughs> Pause. He stopped. He preaches right to there. He goes, good. Look at here it comes. Here comes the favor of God. And now we're in that 2,000 year Space between that and the vengeance of God or the day of the Lord. Keep on reading. Keep on reading so you can understand the context. Like, here's what's happening. God is coming. When I read that, I was like, ooh. But I think Paul says it best found in Romans chapter 15. Look at what he says here. For, whoever, for whatever was written in former days, listen, was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Amen? It is through the scriptures that I find hope. Hey, the world looks crazy, right? It's been looking crazy. But yet, our hope is not to trust in people outside, politics, or anything else. Our hope is found where? 
in God, in the scripture, because he's revealing to us what is happening and what will happen. So, like I said, we're reminded of the day of the Lord by the written word. Number two, let's look at our second point. Am I going too fast? Okay. I'm good? Thank you. Amen. <clears throat> Number two. Here's the second point. We were reminded of the day of the Lord by the wicked people. Verses 3 through 7. Let me read this to you. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. Following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the father fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the word that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for what? For fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. There always has been and there always will be people who are mockers, unbelievers. Scripture here calls them scoffers. This was not unique to Peter's time, Paul's time, even going all the way back to Genesis when God said, hey, no, I want you to build a boat, right? That's like building the boat in, like, in the middle of Iowa, you know? Where's the ocean? It's coming. And God waited 120 years for them to repent, and they didn't. There's always going to be a time where there was people like this, and there are people even today like this. But the future references the destruction of the world by fire. We're going to be, when it comes, not different. People say, oh, but God said he promised not to destroy the world. Yeah, by water. The second time, by fire. He's getting rid of all the ungodliness. Okay? He will. This is the promise of his coming. Look at, look at, at Psalm 73. This is a, gives you good evidence of scoffers. And I, I would encourage you, if you ever feel like, man, God, why are all these bad people just doing good, man? Like, look at them. Read Psalm 73. You'll love it. It'll encourage you. Let me give you a portion of it right now. For, for they have no pangs until death. He's talking about the scoffers. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with folly. They scoff, there it is, and speak with malice, lofty. They threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens. And their tongue struts the earth. Therefore his, therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? Who are they? These are them. These are the people that are always, can, can, can I say this like this? 
and forgive me, they're just always talking trash. You hear them, like, you know, back in Chicago where I grew up, we would say they're talking out the side of their neck. They just got two mouths, always talking, you know? And you're like, don't worry, watch. God's got you. God's got you. My prayer was always, Lord, would you bless them with a brick <laughs> upside their head, God? Because they're stupid. And you have these people. Peter was warning us they're going to be there. And this is unlike different. These are individuals, not a group. If you look at the, if you read the book of Galatians, Paul reminds the Galatians church, he goes, watch out for the Judaizers. Who were the Judaizers? They were Christian Jews who were telling the Gentiles, all of us in this room, hey, you got to be kosher first before you could be a, a Christian. I don't know about you. I'm going to give you a secret. Ready? I am Puerto Rican. Okay? We invented this word. It's true. Ready? It's one of the best words in all of the English dictionary. Ready? but it was first made in Spanish. It was called barbecua. Anybody know what that word means? Barbecue, yes! See, like, yeah, man, right? Like, yes! Barbecue. Sorry, man, but there's nothing better than a set of ribs sometimes, right? Come on, we had Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, so like, yes, there was everything there. I don't know about you, Peter said, like, yeah, the Judaizers, hey, you got to give up the, the ribs if you want to be a Christian. Like, really? No. No, you don't. Right? And then there was another group that John goes against. They're called the Gnostics. They believed that all the flesh was evil and that God only came in spirit. There was no this. That's why you see in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God and the word what became verse 14? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Gnostics didn't even believe in that. That's why they did all kinds of crazy things in the flesh because they thought the spirit was the only thing that counted. There's always been scoffers. There always will be scoffers. There are mockers. And there are people coming that are already here that are going to make these guys look like nothing. Peter is dealing with a group, not with the group, but with individuals. People who are constantly saying, oh, Jesus already came. The, the rapture already happened. Come on, we've all been left behind. You know? Nah. And all kinds of other false doctrine. This is what Peter's reminding us. Pay attention to what you've been taught. Go to church on Sunday. Are you involved in Sunday school? Are you joining a small group? Are you reading your word every day? Because the scoffers are coming and they're going to try to pull you away. Look at Jeremiah 17. The Lord says this. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He's like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places and in the wilderness and in the inhabited salt lands. Old, Old Testament, New Testament, the place where Satan dwelled was the desert area. There was no life there. He said, this is how this man is. He's out there. He's nothing. Look at Mark 13. Mark 13 says it like this. And he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple. Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when these things will be. 
and what will be the sign that all things are about to be accomplished. And Jesus began to say to them, see that no one leads you astray. Be careful. There are people that are going to talk false things and whisper in your ears and pull you away from the truth if they can. But the only way to know so is to study the truth. Many will come saying, I am he. And they will lead many astray. We, I don't know, I didn't, I put it there, but I have to do this in order to do some research sometimes. There's a gentleman right now, I don't know if you know this, in Israel right now, today, there's a gentleman, I can't pronounce his name, Josiah Hia Ben David. He's about 35 years old right now. Looks like a typical Orthodox Jew, beard, glasses, hat. But guess what everybody's doing to this one man? They are falling at his feet and worshiping him. The older, the older um, priest, rabbis, are kissing his hand and his feet. Why? They really believe that this guy is the Messiah. He is their Messiah right now. I mean, it is, it is, it's exciting. I mean, in Israel today, it's going off. I mean, he walks into a room and thousands come. They're like, it's him, it's him. It's him. And there's pictures of him now. You don't think that we're, this is going to happen? You're late. It's already happening. Over there and over here. Scoffers are here. Wicked people. Why? Because if they, could, if they can, they will pull us and move you away from God. From the truth of knowing it. Secret service people. If you ask them, how, do you, how can you tell the difference between a real dollar or real money and fake money? Anybody know this answer? Okay. Here's what they do. They only study real money. That's all they do. Every day they're looking at real money and look what it is, how it feels, touch. I mean, they know everything. It can tell you every precise little thing about a dollar bill, a $10, a 20 a 50 a 100 They know the real thing. Why? So that when a fake comes in front of them, <laughs> they can spot it right away. Hence the point. How much of the text do you know? Do you know this book inside and out? Have you mastered it? Has it mastered you? Can you quote it? Even yet, better yet, can you live it? You have to know it. And I'm begging, I'm talking to you like a friend, like a brother. Please, I don't want any of us to fall away or to be pulled away. Why? Because you thought, oh, I, I, was, I was doing this. The word today, how we know truth because it's written. Today, how is truth known? Anybody know? It's how you feel. Let me say that again. Truth is now how you feel. Oh, I feel, oh, I feel, or oh, I feel, and now that's the standard of truth. No, it isn't. Be very careful, ladies and gentlemen. Why? Peter said it. There's a roaring lion outside those doors, and he's wanting to devour whoever he can. 
Number three, and this is the final point. We're reminded of the day of the Lord by the, by the waiting of the Lord. We're reminded of the day of the Lord by the waiting of the Lord. Verses 8 through 13, he says this. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that, the, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is, a, is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any of you should perish, but that all of you should reach what? Repentance. Amen? Amen. Oh, my gosh. Amen. How many of us have family and friends that are far from God? They're not here. They're not walking with God. And we're praying, God, one day you're going to get them. And God is like, I'm waiting. Because if it was up to us, God would have came last week, right? But if that happens, we're going to be crying in heaven because when we're going to turn around, there's going to be a lot of people that we thought would be there, friends and family, and they're going to crack hell wide open. This is why I think where Jesus says, I'm going to wipe every tear from your eye. Because we're going to realize, man, I lost so much opportunity to pray, to share God's goodness, to be an image bearer. And what did I do? I wasted it. God is only being patient with us because he's waiting for us. He's trying to, get, he's trying to rescue as many people as possible. Amen? That's what he's trying to do. He's like, hey, God, I'm going to wait. We're going to keep waiting because... They call it the, the fullness of the Gentiles. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavens, heavenly bodies will be burnt up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought we to be? There's the question. In lives of holiness and godliness, Waiting for the hastening of the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt, melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. The day of the Lord is tied to the fullness of the Gentiles. How many of you have ever heard that term, the fullness of the Gentiles? Because when God saved Israel, he was meant to use Israel to be a light to the rest of the world. But the plan always has been that the Gentiles, and that's all of us, okay? If you're not a Jewish person, you're a Gentile, okay? We were always part of God's redemption. We were always part of God's plan. The fullness of the Gentiles is tied to two things, evangelism, the Great Commission, okay? Satan and his minions are doing one thing. They know <laughs> we're burnt up, guys. We lost. We made a mistake when we crucified him um, because he got up. That means... We're dead. Hell is coming for us. That, remember when the demons speak to Jesus? Jesus, son of the most high. He identified him right away. Hey, hey, don't throw me. Not, not yet, not yet. He goes, hey, get out of here. Go into the pigs. And they went into the pigs and everything was destroyed. 
But the day, the fullness of the Gentiles is still coming. We got a certain amount of time. But we got to share the gospel and keep preaching the gospel and living the gospel. Why? Because that's where spiritual warfare is taking place. The demons know, hey, we lost. We don't have to. We can't stop it. All we got to do is kick the can down the road. Slow it down. So where do you want to, you, if you ever want to encounter bad things, share the good news. <laughs> and watch what happens to you. Because those two things are tied together. You're going to advance the gospel by sharing the good news of Christ. Watch what happens to you. You will be attacked. You will be attacked by scoffers and sometimes even possibly by things unseen. But don't worry. God is still in control. Jesus foretells his destruction. Look at this, verses 20, 21. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you know that the desolation has come near. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart, and let those who are out in the country not enter it. For these are the days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against his evil people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led by captive among the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. This is where we're at. We're in the fourth quarter. <laughs> to use a football analogy, right? We're in the fourth quarter now. But it's coming. Satan and his demons know they lost, but their goal is to, again, to prolong their stay. In one sense, to kick the can down the road, to slow down the Great Commission. Because the longer they delay, or the longer we delay in sharing the good news of Christ, the longer they have on earth. Spiritual warfare is against evangelism. That's where you're going to encounter it. Because of that, look what Peter gives us his final words, okay? And we're going to close here. Verses 14 through 18. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, this is what he tells us, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. This is what I told you, to be diligent. That means to be seeking on purpose. You know, you lost your keys, you go all around the house looking for your keys. And you turn up everything looking for your keys until you find them. This is the same word right here. That's how you should be seeking Christ diligently with eagerness and with, you know, hey, am I walking with him? Am I doing everything right? So that you could be found without spot or blemish. Like I told you, this is our time of separation. Christ is coming back for his spotless bride. Question is, are we two-timing God? That's a question only you could ask and answer, okay? This is how we grow in grace. Verse 18, and count the patience of the Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. Verse 16, and he does in all his letters when he speaks to them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. 
Verse 17, ready? You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with every error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Be careful. Be careful. Again, you have to know what you believe and why you believe it. It's critical that each of us gather together in small groups, that we would encourage one another, why? Until the day of his Christ coming, right? Study the word together. Be in the word of God together. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to bring it next week, but there's a study they did with thousands of Christians, and they found out. Check this out, and I'll, I'll give you the proof next week. I'll share it with Pastor Dell. If you read the word of God one day a week, nothing happens. Two days a week, nothing happens. Three days a week, but the second you read it at least four days a week, guess what happens to you? you, you get, you're less depressed by like 67%. True. Um, evangelism goes up over 200%. <laughs> you know? Um, all this bad stuff decreases and all this good stuff increases. And this was, a, this was a pure scientific study. I'm going to bring it to you next week. I'm going to show it to you, you know. That way you know it is critical that the answers that we've been looking for, because even Harvard did this. Harvard did a study on helping people find joy. You know that when you go to a bookstore, you know which is the, what's the biggest section? Anybody know? Say it again. Self-help. And they did this study on it, and they realized, hey, if you just read this book at least four days a week, guess what happens to you? You get all the help you need. <laughs> and you don't have to pay for it. It's right here. Amen? It's right here. Everything goes away that you've been dealing with. And everything good increases. But you got to be with God. You start got abiding with God. That's what he's telling you. Be careful. Be careful, people. Be careful, church. He calls them his beloved, his friends, his familia. Be careful. And lastly, he says, be growing. Verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here's the whole purpose of the book. That we're supposed to be growing in God's grace. Why? Because the day of the Lord is coming. And people will try to pull us away if they can. We're supposed to say, you all. Second person plural. If it was third person, it would be all y'all, right? All y'all, right? Right? But grow in the grace. That's all you. Grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Trust me, ladies and gentlemen. I've been walking with him now, praise God, by his grace and mercy for 30 years. I need another 30 years, maybe, at least. I remember on my 40th birthday, I said, Lord, if you give me 40 more, I'll take the back half. I'll make the second half better than the first half. God, give me time. Help me to be like you, to be an image bearer, to walk like you. So church, we're supposed to be diligent. We're supposed to be careful. But we have to be growing. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we want again, we want to thank you. God, we do not know the day or the hour when it comes. 
But God, we ask that you would be patient with us and that we would be faithful to you in all things. Lord, we want to increase in your grace and mercy. We want to show and represent your love to anyone and everyone that gives us the opportunity to show how good you are. Because you're coming back because the day of the Lord is near. God, we ask that you would please bless our time together. Bless our church to grow and to reflect you. Because this community needs you and all those communities around us need you, Lord. Thank you, God. And amen.